Welcome to episode 7 of Have a Blessed Gay, your weekly spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, Tyler Martin. And I'm sure y'all are on the edge of your seat regarding the French toast verdict from last episode. And here it is. French toast is not actually French. What the hell, right? Yeah, there are a few theories as to why it got its name, but no, it is not French. It's not. It's not French. Thank you to those who helped with that research, and thank you to the new reviewers. You get a symbolic gold star. You get a symbolic gold star. Basically, all my budget goes to symbolic gold stars. Really, though, I so appreciate you reviewing, and I just appreciate you. Also, welcome to all the new subscribers. Y'all are in for a treat. I am quite thrilled for today's discussion with the extremely accomplished Daisy Khan. Daisy is an incredible activist for the Muslim community and for women's equality all around the world. She's written books, including her memoir, Born with Wings, The Spiritual Journey of a Modern Muslim Woman. She's founded organizations. She's been listed among Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People and listed in Huffington Post's Top 10 Women Faith Leaders. Like, are you kidding me? Daisy is the epitome of a spiritual badass. We chat about misconceptions surrounding Islam, female equality in and out of religion, and how patriarchy misguides religious practices. Now, put your hands together for Daisy Khan. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp help.com slash blessed gay to check it out and get what 10% off the best part is you don't even have to leave your house they offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor video calls phone calls real-time chat and direct messaging all counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash blessed gay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash gay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash gay. Daisy Khan, welcome to Have a Blessed Gay. Thank you for having me. Let's just get into it. Tell us who you are and what you do. I, if you ask me in a nutshell who I am, I'm a uniter. Uh, I, I like to promote peace. 
uh, and I grew up in Kashmir in the foothills of the Himalayas. And I went to Catholic school, although I was a Muslim for 11 years, did the Lord's Prayer every morning. And, and my teachers were Hindu. We climbed trees with Sikh girls, bought freshwater pearls from Buddhists. And we were always told that we were from the Lost Ten tribe of Israel. So and at the age of 15, I came to America and landed in a Jewish neighborhood. And so for me, all religions are the same. They're, they have the same root. They, are, they, they profess to worship the same God. And my worldview is that we're, we should all unite. And I am a uniter uh, fundamentally. And, and so everything that I do today is to bring people together and to unite them. So that is who I am. You know, we live in such a divided America, but also in a divided world. So the importance of the work that you do, I, I don't think can really be stated. We need uniters like you. We need we need to be united. Now in life, you specifically do a lot of work for the Muslim community. So how did that start? Destiny kind of intervened and stepped in, but I was formerly an architectural designer I worked for 25 years uh, in architectural design, designing beautiful spaces. And that was a profession, you know, that was my career path. And during that time, I um, I wound up at the World Trade Center Towers because I was working in the towers on the 106th floor. And um, so lower Manhattan was my neighborhood. And I had married an imam whose mosque was very close to ground zero and 9-11 happened and the towers collapsed and my neighborhood was under attack. My city was under attack. My, you know, my country was under attack and the people who did it professed to be part of my faith. So I came to this journey uh, post 9-11 and stepped into this area of community development, partly because there was a shortage of people that would do outreach in the community and Americans were afraid and Islam was being talked about, you know, 24 seven on media. And I had to step up and I decided to quit my corporate career and join forces with peace builders. Stepping up at all takes immense bravery, but especially during that time. I mean, the words Islam and Muslim held such a weight where they were practically used for synonyms for terrorism, you know, and even in today, I'm sure you still get criticized for the work that you do. So I would love just to clear some shit up. Let's let's educate people, shall we? In your words, would you please describe what Islam is and what being a Muslim means to you? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, Islam is is um although people might say it's a different religion, it is not considered a different religion than that of Christianity or Judaism, you know. It's a continuation of that. It's really God's religion in the sense that there's one God and he sent all these different prophets over time to teach humanity what they did not know. And, uh, and so, uh, Islam falls into that, into that continuum of Judaism and Christianity. And so it's like the last revelation, um, that, that people of Arabia received through prophet Muhammad, who was a prophet and who became a prophet because he received a revelation at the age of 40. 
So it's about 1400 years old as opposed to Christianity, which is, you know, 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, and it has about 1.6 billion people around the world that pract- that are Muslims, that call themselves Muslim. Muslim is somebody who submits to or surrenders to the will of God and surrenders in peace. And Islam is a spiritual path that is defined by the root of its name, which means salam. Salam means peace. That's why the greeting of Muslims is salam means peace be unto you. So um, it's a very simple religion in the sense that it is centered around the concept of the one God, unity and the oneness of God. And that reality is that God is infinite. He's greater than anything we can conceive or imagine. And, and the Quran, which is the holy book of Muslims, attests to that. And the Quran is full of all, you know, t- stories about all the prophets and and how God is one and how God sees all the prophets as one and sees all the religions as one. So we don't see Islam as a different religion. And that's one of the misconceptions that people have. They think it's something different than what is within their own faith tradition. It's so similar. And if we could just wrap our heads around that and if we could unite around that, Imagine how pleasing that would be to God. Yeah, and just pleasing to us, <laughs> you know. Imagine, you know? Yes. Like even if you do not believe in a God, or even if you do, but still you just want to do it for yourself, respecting each other and everyone's beliefs, that respect is positive for everyone. It helps everyone. So um yeah, I think it would make us all feel a little bit better. Exactly. Now I know a lot of people think that the Muslim culture is not super upstanding, specifically when it comes to the equality for female identifying individuals. So would you just speak on that and how you are trying to change that narrative? Well, so this is such an important question because, you know, your earlier question was also, what are some of the biggest misconceptions of Islam? And one of the biggest misconceptions is is that somehow Islam is linked to terrorism. And I don't really blame people for thinking that because that's how it's been defined by the media, right? You're always seeing these linkages of the religion of Islam, the religion of Islam with the people who are terrorists who call themselves Muslim. And, you know, if you if you separate the two and you say this is the religion of Islam and these are people who are actually weaponizing a religion to meet their political goals, they're two different things altogether. So we have conflated the two by mistake. And the conflation is really had a lot of, you know, problems for Muslims in this country and worldwide, because now you have the spread of Islamophobia because people have fear of Islam and fear of Muslims. And the second misconception is that women are oppressed and suppressed and have no agency. And and this is also something that, um, although there is some truth to it, because in some societies, women are relegated. And But that's not the whole story. The whole story is from its outset, Islam was considered revolutionary. I mean, 1400 years ago, it recognized the individuality of women. And the Quran and its history shows that women have participated in very early public life as not only luminaries like great women who were luminaries, but they were warriors on battlefields and they were spiritual guides and they interpreted the religious text. And when you when you read this holistic reading of the Quran, it shows that 
restricting women from pursuing knowledge and leadership roles does not align with the spirit. So this is the struggle that we have. We ha- I, go, I go back to my scripture and I try to understand the gains that women got in 7th century Arabia and why were those gains, you know, taken away from us. And then I look back at American history and I look back at patriarchy in all religions. It's the same. You know, women have played a significant role in all religions, significant role in all religions, and yet they get relegated to the sides and they get written out of the history books. And so this is not unique to Islam. This is this is the story of religions in general. I think that is an incredible point. Society mimics religion and religion mimics society. So yeah, of course, we have this patriarchy in both where women are told that they are lesser than. And like you said, they are completely stripped from history. We don't we don't know their history. We don't even know of their existence except for the fact that they were there given birth. <laughs> so um, but I'm curious in this patriarchal environment that you're in, what are some specific examples of the discrimination that women face? So so this is the this is the part that we have to flesh out because although you have that uh, you have women who are not allowed to make their choices. They are forced into marriage. You know, they are um, they are not given access to education. Uh, they are not allowed to work. They're not allowed to be financially independent. And it's the exact opposite of what Islam says. So this is my struggle and the struggle of many women uh, who are exhibiting leadership in the community right now that we are constantly struggling with this male-dominated religious discourse that does not acknowledge our value or does not acknowledge the truth in the scriptures. So so what we have done is we've come to the sobering realization that we cannot remain silent um, because by remaining silent, we are compromising our beliefs and our self-worth. The word bravery again pops in my head. I, I, I think it's so brave to step up, but we need people who are brave like you to be a voice for others who might not have a voice. And I also think it's really important to look at our own communities. I am always so amazed and upset by discrimination within marginalized groups like the LGBTQ plus community, for example, We have gone through so much trauma, yet within the community, there are so many people against one another, specifically the trans community, who I feel like is under attack from all points of view. And I just really wish that people would stop pointing fingers at other communities and other groups, and that everyone would look inward, look at their immediate circles and Just make sure everyone is being uplifted. Everyone is being empowered around us before we look at other people. Yeah, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if we could collectively restore God-given rights of personal fulfillment, because in every religion, that's what God says, justice and equality. If you just take these three things and you just, as all faiths come together and say, these are the three things that are guaranteed to all of us, you know, and um, and and then work towards that, you'll be able to remove all these false barriers. And I find in my faith, when obstruction has been encountered by women, it's not been by Islam the faith, because 
clearly I can go to my scripture and see what it says. But almost always local traditions, like ongoing traditions that people have, and sometimes even corrupt customs. And this is very common in in tribal societies where people have developed their own customs, uh, mandated mostly by men with outdated attitudes towards women that then get manifest in the community as if it is religious. And mm-hmm. so peeling that layer away from it and saying, is it really religious or is it really your customary practice or is it your culture? What is it? So let's peel away the onion. The polarization is not even part of scripture because scripture talks about uniting people, not dividing people. Dealing with this bizarre disconnect between religious text and society, you founded an incredible organization called WISE, the Women's Islamic Initiative in Spirituality and Equality. Now, this is not the first organization that you have founded, but it is one that is doing wonderful work to educate. What was the inspiration to begin this organization, specifically to help female-identifying individuals within the Muslim community? Yeah, you know, I began the organization because there was a woman in a church who asked me about women's issues in Afghanistan, and I rattled off all these rights that Muslim women had. And she was so sincere. She believed me because she was a devout Christian. She said, I believe you, but tell me what you're doing about it. In other words, how are you fixing the problems that women are facing in Afghanistan? And that really made me think about what was I doing about it? Like I mentioned earlier in the interview that I was an architectural designer at the time. And so I felt compelled that as a um, empowered um, woman who had been empowered by every man in my family and um, as somebody who lived in the most powerful nation on the face of this earth, um, somebody who was educated, uh, who was married to an imam, you know, what was I doing? Um, if, if not me, then who? Who was going to step in? So that's when I found it wise, primarily because um, majority of Muslim women agree all over the world that the biggest barrier to their advancement is distorted interpretation of scripture, where these concepts of polygamy, honor killings, female genital mutilation, forced marriage are manipulated by religious leaders for their own advantage. This was the disconnect that I had to contend with. And despite the um, Prophet Muhammad being considered by many as the ultimate feminist because he was 25 and he married a 40-year-old woman, he was surrounded by women every time. A lot of his followers were women. And, uh, you know, he gave property rights to women, abolished pre-Islamic practices. And he would always seek his wife's advice in community affairs. So it, so the reality of Muslim women in some parts of the world didn't match with the ideal set forth, not only by him, but also by a scripture. So I decided that I was going to do this and I was going to study scripture and create these position papers. And so I set up a council called Muslim Women's Shura Council, which was a council specifically um, charged with coming up with these position papers. And it was all voluntary group of women from all over the world coming together and writing these position papers to um, refute um, the, these misconceptions that, that people were spreading around. One of the novel, novel projects that came out of this was um, that we decided that the best people that we had to get on our side, especially in places like Afghanistan, were the imams because they were the most influential. Um, they were the ones who were giving the Friday sermons 
people were going and listening to them and taking everything that they said verbatim. So we decided that maybe we should start going and addressing them and sitting down with them and showing them our research to see whether we could convince them to come around. And it was remarkable. It was shocking that the imams we realized had a lot less knowledge than we had put together and that they were absorbing this information. They were grateful that we had come up with all this evidence where, uh, you know, they could now go and, and speak authoritatively about these issues. And so one of the imams um, went to conduct after the workshop that he received on uh, child marriage, you know, um, he went to conduct the marriage and, and he um, saw this little girl who was crying. And he said, why are you crying? And she said, I don't want to marry. And he said, oh, so you have not given your consent because we had taught the imam that consent is a necessary part of the Islamic marriage ceremony. And she said, no, in fact, I don't want to get married. She was only 13. And so she refused. And he said, okay, I cannot conduct this marriage. Now, in the past, he would have conducted this marriage because he wouldn't have even asked that question. So he refused. And both sides of the family were so upset because the party was going on and they tried to bribe him. And he said, no, you can't bribe me because I'm accountable to God. Because that's another thing we had mentioned in the work in in the workshop was what is your accountability to God? If you are, you know, manipulating his word, then what is your accountability? So so he left and did not conduct the marriage. And then the next day he went and did a sermon on this issue of why do we do this to our girls? Why are we ruining the lives of our girls? Why are we denying them the right to say yes or no? Why are we not allowing them to, you know, choose their own life partner? And as he was giving this passionate sermon, there was this poor old man weeping on the side who went up to him and shook him by his collar and said, why weren't you telling us all this before? Wow, that is so sad. <laughs> but I also want to know, uh, from uh, an education standpoint, how are you approaching these men? How are you communicating with them? And then also, how are you educating the women who are in these types of situations. One of the things that we're doing is creating a new document where we're putting all these rights together in one Know Your Rights and reframing it back in Islamic um, theology so that the Taliban can get the same kind of training. And we, ha we already know that uh, they have an interest in getting this kind of training and learning more about this issue. So um, all the work that we've done could actually help legislation and uh, permanently given giving women the, the the fundamental rights that they are afforded within Islamic theology. And the shocking thing is that this training was all being led by a woman partner of ours. And I remember when she first started, we, you know, we strategized how we could do this, how they are not going to accept a woman doing the training. And it was a very open discussion between her and myself. And she said, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, are you willing to sit in the back and let your husband do the training? She said, yeah, for the greater good. Why not? So we created a strategy that she was not going to be seen at all, that the training would be done by her husband and she would train her husband because she was the one who was a scholar in the family. She had a master's in Islamic law. And um, and so he did. And there was a time when he kind of got stuck because somebody asked him a question. And he didn't have the answer. Because remember, he was not the scholar. And then he didn't know how to deal with the situation. And he turned around and looked around. And while she was sitting in the back, uh, he said, you know, my wife there, she can answer the question. And she did. 
it, it felt like there were pearls falling out of her mouth because she's so wise, she's so smart, she's got so much knowledge that, you know, and the and the imams were like really shocked and inspired by what she said. And then they 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 began to hear more from her. And now, you know, they have so much regard for her. Everything has changed. And then he said, what other training do you want? They said, well, you know, a lot of young people aren't coming to the mosque anymore. How can we reach out to the young people? So we taught them how to speak to young people. And one of the things we said was, well, young people don't want to just listen to you from top down. They want to ask questions. So we actually created a Q&A in the mosque. Can you believe that? Ah, uh, that's amazing. And something that I am so passionate about. You know, I want this podcast, I want this platform to be a space where people can question their faith, question their religion, question their spirituality. Because if we can't question, then yeah, how the hell are we ever going to learn? How are we ever going to grow? I, I think questioning is essential. And wow, I just think that that is really, really powerful. Also, something that is really powerful is your memoir. It is called Born with Wings, The Spiritual Journey of a Modern Muslim Woman, which goes into way more detail about your journey than we have been able to get into. And y'all, if you haven't already, please check it out. And Daisy, I, you have just done and continue to do so much goodness around the world. It is very inspiring. Where can people find you and keep up with all the inspiring work that you do? Well, if anybody has any personal questions, they just send me an email at my personal email, daisy at daisycon.com. Really easy to remember. And if they want, they can go to the organization, which is uh, wisemuslimwomen.org for more information. And there's an info at wisemuslimwomen. So if there's an organizational question and, um, uh, you know, Tyler, I really want to speak to your audience directly. And I, I really think that we all need to come together. Um, I think that we can make the world a much better place if we all understand in the grand scheme of things who we are as human beings and what is our purpose in life and how we can discover that. And we can do that together. I think this era demands us coming together. And all of our religions serve that purpose individually for us. But collectively, I think that, um, uh, you know, our societies, our communities, our future demands something greater and us coming together, whether we are religious or not, or whether we are affiliated or not, we can still come together on some big issues. Uh, that really uh, affect us collectively as humans. Well, please keep on uniting people. We need you. Thank you for your work. And thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you so much, Tyler. Bye-bye. Okay, there is something about her voice that is just so damn calming, right? Ugh. Here are my main takeaways. Number one, Islam is similar to other main world religions. They're all kind of doing the same thing. Number two, patriarchy sucks ass. Number three, before you point your finger at someone else's group, look at your own. Is everyone actually being empowered? I think it's important to note that other faith groups 
Christianity heavily included don't have a great history when it comes to oppression. And a big part of that is female oppression. And it is alive and thriving today. So look around and take note of your own community. Number four, education and asking questions is crucial. Everyone should feel not only able, but encouraged to question spirituality and religion. And if you can't, then you might be in a cult. Number five, if you only listen to those who look and sound like you, those who are in similar circumstances, then what are you actually learning? By not diversifying your world, you are obstructing your ability to enhance your life. Embrace your own differences. Embrace other people's differences. Then, unite those differences. Number six. Hey, faith leaders. Guess what? It's your job to lead. If there is inequality, prejudice, and or hate in your congregation, religion, or faith, and you are actively silent, bitch, those people's pain is on you. So speak up. Make change. And I mean real change. And how about you actually lead? Ooh, I got a little heated there. A little sassy McSasserson. Do you like that? Do you like that? Okay, okay. I have posted links in the show notes for Daisy and her book. Check those out. And if you haven't yet, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. It is the best way to keep up to date with this podcast and to know when new episodes drop. Also, feel free to comment, leave a review, and definitely reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. Let me know if there is anything that you would specifically like to hear on here, or if you just have any questions. My email is in the show notes, or you can reach out to me on social media, at Have a Blessed Gay on all the platforms. Now, because this content is heavy at times, you might not be able to laugh it off. And if you are struggling and having a hard time, I will always post helplines in the show notes. So please, please, please reach out if you need to. But just remember this, you are special, you are purposeful, and you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all.